Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. But Rick told me the other night that, you know, he was going to start the, almost started the Pappy Wars, you know, because he was suggesting that he was the number one Pappy in the church. Well, I get the mic last, praise the Lord. <laughs> uh, how many know it's a lot of fun being a Pappy <clears throat> and a Grammy? But pappies are really special because we just let them, get away. We let them get away with everything. Amen? Amen. Hey, yeah, turn with me. Uh, this morning I want to I I continue on some of this series. And, uh, you know, when we come together, I'm getting a little weary. Not of this church, don't get me wrong. I'm just, there's a subject and there's a thing that uh, a lot of talk about church services. And I'm getting a little weary sometimes of what I'm calling the scripted church. It's just, it's just wearing on me a little bit in terms of we're, we're so, we have to be so time conscious. We have to be so perfectionist. We got to almost get, I, I'm just telling you, I'm getting, it's getting a, I, I'm all about planning. I'm all about preparedness. I'm all about having a schedule. I'm all about having a plan. I'm all about being judicious with time. What I'm not about is having it so tightly reined that we have no spontaneity. We have no room for the Holy Spirit. We have no room for prayer. We have no room for testimony. I'm just getting a little weary of the scripted church. May I say it like that? Anyhow. But so I say that to say when you come in here, there's going to be moments in time where one of the things we're going to do every week, we're going to worship. How many like to worship, sing, praise, all right? We like that. We're going to pray. The Bible tells us when we come together to pray. How many know we can't cut prayer out of a church service? We're praying for our community. We're praying every week. We do that prayer focus. It's praying for businesses. It's praying for schools. It's praying for, it's, it's something we need to do. It's just not perfunctory. It is something we must do. All right. And then we give an opportunity for Randy, who loves, loves being up in front of people. I mean, he's such a mic hog. You know, that he just said to me, he said, I have to share that testimony. Share it. We want you to hear about the life-changing power of God. We want you to hear about the God who saved a dead arm. That's our God, man. And, and so, you know, do we have time for that? Of course we have time for that. All right? And, and so, just saying to you, when we come together, it's not to get in and get out and we got our religious duty done. This is the saints of God rejoicing in the presence of God. This are the saints of God lifting them up. The saints of God praying together, you know. And so I just want to encourage you to understand that, you know, we're always going to do those things. And because, really, it's what we should be doing. And, um, and then you have to put up with me preaching. That's all right. That's my way of getting back at Dick Scolton. Anyhow, all right. I want to take you today. And I'm going to follow up last week's message that I was entitled Created Sons. And um, in that message, I took us to the book of Genesis and I showed us where God had created Adam. Adam was a created son of God. Luke's genealogy mentioned him as Adam, the son of God. That God created Adam from the earth, gave him his image, puts him in the garden, and he is the created son of God. And he was the protected son of God, if you recall. How was he protected? He was protected by the prohibition of the father. The father says, here, I'm putting this in your life, and this prohibition is not to take away from you, but rather it is to protect you, to maximize your destiny, to maximize your potential. All right? But we know that I then told you that he became the rebellious son. Because rebellion is whenever we actually disobey God, and out of that disobedience, we're rebelling against the father. 
Uh, anybody ever rebelled against their parents? Listen, I know some of you when you were young. Quit lying. <laughs> All right. Penny, was your hand up? All right. That, that Adam was the rebellious son, and God the Father had to discipline him because the father can never let rebellion go unchecked in the heart of a child. All right? And so he had to, and so he disciplines him, and he disciplines him, and the consequences come. But then God and who he is, what's he do? He covers him. I mean, no, sin, shame is a fruit of sin. Covering is something that honor, the father gives to restore honor. I'm so glad that when my sin took me into shame, my father provided covering to give me honor once again. And then we talked about how he became the covered son. And then we transitioned from there because if it ends there, how many know it's a sad story? But it didn't end there because now in chapter three, God puts in plan to bring about the begotten son. And because he brings the begotten son into the world, his son, who was the obedient son, he became the rewarded son. How many know that out of that, you and I have faith in him, and we once again become the created sons of God to be created in the image of our creator? All right? So I'm setting all this up because the idea of sonship was something that resonated in me from the beginning of the year when I preached that series, Out with the Old, In with the New. And it ended in sonship, that when the new is born, what is born is a child of God. How many know you were not a child of God when you were born into the world? You were a child of God when you came to him through faith in Jesus Christ. All right? So the idea of sonship has been resonating. Dr. Norai came. And by the way, he was here on April 8th. I'm just absolutely blown away that he passed away that following week. For those of you who didn't know that, on April 15th, middle of the April 15th, 16th, uh, he, he passed away. On the 15th, he was going to, the, to have a dinner with his family, had chest pains, Took him to the hospital. From there, he went to the Hershey Medical Center. Had some kind of rupture in an artery. It went to his stomach. And I can't give you all the details. They weren't going to do surgery. They did surgery. And they then put him in a, 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 like a coma. And he never, he never survived it. And uh, I was just blown away by that, you know. Um, his last sermon would have been here on April 8th. You know, I, I don't... Now, sometimes we Christians, we kind of put too much significance on some things. You know, it's like, well, this means that, and that means this, and this means that, and all that. But I do want to say this. It's interesting to me that in the Bible, there's a lot of significance that would deal with somebody's last words. Moses' last words, David's last words, Joseph's last words. And so I just say to you that here was a man who's a prolific thinker that was in our presence, that his last sermon was in this house. You might want to revisit that and just say, God, what were you speaking to us? What were you speaking to us, you know? And, and so he talked about, I am a son. And so I'm picking up on it again because it started in me in January. Dr. Nora came. So I'm taking through here today. And I'm going to continue this idea of sonship. I guess it's kind of a series, you know. But I told you, I'm kind of getting weary of the scripted church. So we'll figure out if it is or isn't, <laughs> okay? Um, but I have a lot to unpack. But if you'll be patient, I will unpack it as quick as I can. Amen. And I hope to bring some foundational truth in your life from which your identity can be established, from which your being, all right, is established and your doing is then established. Because how many know it's our being that establishes our doing? We spend much of our life trying to get our doing to establish our being when God's meant it to be what called us to be before we do. 
All right, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So, so when I'm done, I want you to be established in your heart, your identity as sons of God, children of God, that how that is established, what it means in your life now. So turn with me to the book of Romans. Here's a chapter that a lot of people don't preach a lot out of, including myself. Chapter 9 of Romans. We're going to take a look at chapter 9 and chapter 10. Okay? All right. So let's read this. All right? Now, let me tell you this. Paul, it's called the book of Romans because was Paul was writing to the church in, all right, so you, I can't get nothing past you guys today, all right? The, now listen to me, the, understand something, the Romans were Gentiles, uh, they were not Jewish people, remember, okay? How many know today, most of us in here, were, we were Gentiles, right? All of us were Gentiles, not Jewish, Rome, okay? Paul was writing to a group of Gentile believers in Rome, all right? Now, let's see what he's saying to them. So he st- in, in chapter 9, he says, I'm telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. I mean, it was good that the apostle doesn't lie. All right? My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. So Paul writes, and he starts in chapter 9. He says, I got grief. I got sorrow I'm, I'm in my heart. And the question would be, why does he have that grief and why does he sorrow? Watch what he says. For I wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brothers. And who's he talking about? He's talking about Israel. He's saying, I wish I was cursed and I was separated from Christ so they could be close to the Christ. How many know that's a sacrificial heart? Now watch this. So he says this. He says, I wish that I could be cursed for my brothers who are Israelites to whom belongs the adoption of sons and the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law, the temple service and the promises, whose are the fathers. Now let's stop there for a moment. So Paul's saying he's heart sick over their lost condition. How do I define that lost condition today? That lost condition is defined by the rejection of Christ. All right, they're lost because they've rejected God's plan for salvation, which was Jesus who came to be a fulfillment of everything that was theirs. Okay, this adoption of sons. I I want you to understand something this morning. Let me give you a point. First of all, God has always had a plan for sons. Now, how many know, we know that sons is gender neutral, right? It means you ladies as well, so let's not get all... And out of shape today. God has always had a plan for sons. All right? When he created Adam in the garden, the Bible says that Adam was the son of God. Adam was the son of God that was created by God with the image of God, with the blessing of God, with the mandate of God. He was God's son to be a representative and his um, image in that garden. He was to be a son. But we know what happened. We know that he sinned. And how many know that once he sinned, Adam began to have sons, but he wasn't having sons in the image of God. He was now having sons in the image of Adam because sinful men reproduce sinful men, right? Okay, so what's God going to do? So God says, I'm going to create a people to be my son. Let me give you a scripture out of Exodus chapter 4, verse 22. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. So I said to you, let my son go that he may serve me, all right? But you refuse to let him go. Behold, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So God says to Moses, you say to Pharaoh, Israel's my son. Let my son go so he can serve me. But you refuse to let him go, all right? 
When Israel was a youth, Hosea says, when Israel was a youth, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Yeah, understand something this morning. So God always has had a plan for sons. Started with Adam. Then it goes to Israel. And how many know, but his ultimate goal was for you and I to become sons and daughters of God. That you and I would become the children of God. All right. So Paul says this. He says, I wish the adoption of sons belonged to Israel. But how many know they didn't walk into it? They didn't step into it. And this brought grief to Paul's heart. Now, follow me. Unpack a lot of stuff and we're going to go. All right. Then Paul says this. He says, they have the adoption. They have the glory. They have the covenants. They have the giving of the law. They have all of this. All right. All the religious activity in the world cannot make you a child of God. They had everything. They had the sacrificial system. They had the mosaic. They had all of that. And none of that could make them a child. All the religious activity in the world. You can go to church every day of your week. You can give every nickel you have. You can do every good work. You can do all the things that you think you need to do. All of your self-imposed righteous religious activity and still not be a child of God. This is what was happening to Israel, all right? All these self-imposed restrictions on our lives. This is what you do. This is what you don't do. This is what you do. We'll talk about doing in just a moment. But understand something this morning. There's only one thing that'll make you a child of God, and we'll get to that in a moment, all right? So God chose Abraham, or I'm sorry, Israel, to be the child, to be a son, all right? Let's talk about this for just a moment. I ask you this question. When did God choose Israel? When did God choose them? He chose them before they were even a people. All right? When did he choose Isaac? Before Isaac was even born. When did he choose Jacob? Before, and I'm not going to go through all the scriptures that are found here in this passage. I'm asking you, when did God say, I want Adam as my son? When did he say, I want Israel as my son? When did he choose Isaac? When did he choose Jacob? When did he do this? I would say to you, he did this, well, I know it, before they were even born. In the heart of God, before they existed, God desired for a people to call his children. Before Israel would reject or accept their position, the position of his sons existed in the heart of the father. Before you could do anything good or anything bad, God has chosen already for you to be predestined to be a son of God. Before you're born. Right? How many of because I'm not talking about individual predestination. I don't believe that. I'm talking about God's predestined plan for humanity was that all would become sons of God. Okay? Now, watch this. And so when did, he, when did he choose these? Before they were born. Before they did anything good. Before they did anything. God had a plan for them and chose them before they breathed a breath. Before you breathe in his heart, God wanted you and had a plan for you to be a child of God. All right? Let me tell you this. I'm going to even say this to you. The plan of God and the plan of Satan are the same. Sonship. <laughs> Make you a son. Make you a son. The plan is the same. Sons of disobedience, sons of obedience. Sons of righteousness, sons of evil. The goal is the same. He wants sonship. All right? Now, the scripture that I want to share with you is in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5 for just a moment. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us. Now, when did he choose us? In him, before the foundation of the world. That we would be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He chose humanity. He chose men. He chose to make us sons. So I'm, why am I keep re- referencing that? Because you've got to get it out of your head that, he only, that you did something that would cause him to choose you. He chose you. His decision was before. Now, God's plan for them and plan for you is the same. God, before you breathed, before you cried, the overall plan of your life, for your life was sonship. God's always had a plan for you. He had a will for you. That plan is the same for you as it is for me. That plan is the same as the, you as it is the person next, sitting next to you. <clears throat> that plan for you and the plan for Billy the Graham, Billy, Billy the Graham, Billy Graham, <laughs> Billy the Graham Cracker Graham, okay? <laughs> and Billy Graham is exactly the same. He did not have a greater plan for Billy than he did for you. I know somebody like, whoa, wait a minute, Pastor. That's Billy Graham. He's a son just like you. His calling might have been different, but his sonship was no different. We've got to come back to the place of knowing that I am just as much a son as you are. You're just as much a son as I am, and I'm just as much a son as any great person out there. All right? Paul says, now watch what Paul says. Let me, let me hurry on. Paul says this. Let me take you down to verse 27. I, can do, I, I don't have time to read every scripture in here. But Paul, so Paul's transitioning. He's taking him through this. And he says in verse 27, Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it's the remnant that will be saved. Though the nation of Israel will be like the sand on the sea, only a remnant will be saved. Who would that remnant be? That remnant would be only those who put their hope and their faith in Jesus Christ. Gentiles, now watch what he says. So what's he say? Verse 30, what shall we say then? The Gentiles, that's you and I, who did not pursue righteousness, attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel pursued a law of righteousness and did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as though it were works, and they stumbled over the stumbling stone. And how many know the stumbling stone was Jesus? What is, okay, now let me give you a definition of righteousness for real quick. This is the definition we're working with today. Righteousness is this, a condition acceptable to God. A state approved by God. All right, and a condition that is acceptable to God and a state that's approved by God. How many of you want to be accepted by God? How many of you want to be approved by God? I'm here to tell you today, you are. I'm here to tell you that you're going to walk, I want you to walk out of here today knowing this, that you are accepted and approved by God. You say, but you don't understand what I did. We'll get to that. All right? You don't understand some of the stuff I think. We'll get to that. You don't understand some of the stuff that I've actually done this week. We'll get to that as well. All right? So let's talk about this. So this righteousness. And then so he says, the Gentiles got a righteousness they did not pursue. They got a condition they didn't pursue. 
They got a state they didn't pursue, but Israel pursuing a state to be accepted and a state to be approved didn't get it. What's going on? Right? So how do I get this condition that is acceptable to God? How do I come to a state that is approved by God? All right? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about it. Because God had a plan for sonship that he would accept these righteous sons, and he had a plan. And this plan came with a path. All right? So let me talk to you about God's path to sonship. How many know his path to sonship has a name? I mean, no, Christ is the path to sonship. <laughs> Listen to me, if you hear nothing else today, there is no other path in your life than Jesus to be accepted by God. None. None. Watch this. So we, we transition to chapter 10, verse 1. He said, brothers, my heart's, my heart's desire and my prayer for God, for Israel, is their salvation. For I testify about them. They have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. Hmm. Paul said they have zeal for God, but no knowledge. They don't know that it's Christ. Paul says they have a desire for righteousness, but don't know how to get it. They're looking for a condition that makes them acceptable. They're looking for a state that makes them approved by God. Christ is the fulfillment of the law, was the path from man to sonship. Now watch this. But Israel chose another path to sonship. They chose the path of religious activity. Listen to me this morning. Some of you in this house, you have chosen a path of religious activity to get your sonship. You can't get it. They chose a path of legalistic observation. How many know, we, how many know our, the, the, the church in America today, we kind of got this quasi-New Testament grace mixed with Old Testament law. Right? We start with the cross and then we add all this stuff. They chose a path. You, you might have chose a path of good works. You might chose a path of sacrifice. If I go to church, well, come to church. You can come to church all your life, and the day you're dead, go to hell. <laughs> you just can. They were looking for a path that would lead them to a condition whereby God would accept them. Everyone must be accepted by God. They were looking for a path that would lead them to a state approved by God. Out of their desire to be accepted by God, they sought to establish their own condition. Well, if I do this and I do this and I do that, the moment you try to establish what God has already established for you, how many know you'll never get what God established for you? Let me say that 10 times fast. I'll just have Pastor Troy hit play, record, play. Christ is the end of the law, not because the law ended, but because Christ is the fulfillment of the law. Now, I'm, I know I'm, I'm, I'm packing a lot of stuff here. So Paul says this. Here's your pathway. All right, the, Christ is the path. Watch what he says. Now he gets here. Verse five. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness, which is based on law, shall live by that righteousness. How many know we also die by the law? 
If we live by the law, we die by the law. But the righteousness, what's righteousness definition? A condition accepted by God, a state approved by God. But that, that righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up. But what does it say? It says, the word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we're preaching. Now watch this. So how many know the moment that we're trying by our legalistic observation to ascend to heaven, how many know we're actually pulling Christ down? All right? That's what Paul's saying. Now watch this. So he says, for the, for with that if you confess, here's it. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we're preaching. That if you confess, everybody say confess. With your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right? Christ is the path to sonship. It is faith in Christ that makes us accepted sons of God. You want to be accepted by God? You don't start with your works. You don't start with church. You don't start with a bunch of nonsense. You don't start with your actions and your activity. You don't start with your goodness. You start with saying, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead. How many know it takes faith to make those two statements? Takes faith. Any of you there when he was raised from the dead? <laughs> if you were, you're older than Peter. Faith. Faith is what makes you an accepted son of God. Sonship was established in the heart of the Father before the foundation of the world. Sonship is realized through my heart. Sonship is realized when I confess that Jesus is Lord. When you and I come to a place in our lives, we confess Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, we become sons of God. There is no other path to sonship. There is no other path to being a child. All right? So listen to me this morning. I don't care what you did five years ago. I care what you believe in your heart today and what comes out of your mouth and whether or not Jesus is Lord. See, for with the heart a person believes, and watch what Paul says, it results, verse 10, with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. Wait a minute. You mean if I believe, I come to a state of being approved by God? Yes. How many know that's good news? Yeah. Well, it's a whole lot better news than you said it was. Right? When I believe, it brings me into a condition that God accepts me. Everybody wants to be accepted. Many of you have lived lives where people conditionally accepted you. Some of you are still looking for mom and dad's approval. You approve of your children just because they are. You don't approve of every move they make and every decision they make. You approve of them because of who they are. They're my son. They're my daughter. See, The truth is, I said, we have a mixture of living according to Christ, the fulfillment, and the self-fulfillment of the law. We start with Christ, and then we add things that seem to strengthen our position in Christ. There's nothing that can strengthen your position in Christ. 
Nothing. <laughs> you think you're going to start with the blood of Jesus and add something to it? You think you're going to start with the blood of Jesus, the blood of the precious lamb, the pure spotless blood of God, and then you think you're going to live your roles to it? Why do you cheapen the blood of Jesus like that? You're saying, but, 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 but pastor, aren't we supposed to do it? Yeah, I'll get to that in a minute. I'm getting there. All right? Faith is the only thing that makes you a son. It's the only thing that keeps you a son. Hmm? Faith is the only thing that makes you acceptable to Father. It's the only thing that makes you approved by the Father. But you're saying, but isn't what I do important? Absolutely, it's important. All right? Absolutely. Let me get uh, faith. uh, Let me say this to you again. Faith in Christ makes us accepted sons of God. Faith in Christ makes us approved sons of God. All right? You say, but isn't what I do important? Yes. Absolutely. But actions flow from a position of sonship. Actions don't flow to get sonship. Actions flow from a position of security, not insecurity. I never had to do anything to get my parents to love me. Now, some days it was more of a challenge than others. (laughs) I might have done some unloving things a time or two in my life. Okay? Actions flow from relationship, not to get relationship. Actions flow from approval. Not to get approval. Why am I acting a certain way as a son of God? Because my daddy approves of me. Because my father accepts me. Sonship. By faith, I become an accepted son. By faith, I become an approved son. By faith, I act as a son. Faith brings me into a state of being. I am a son of God. His plan for me was to be his child. His dream for my being was to be a son of God. But I could not get there on my own. I certainly wasn't good enough. I certainly couldn't be good enough. I certainly couldn't give enough. I couldn't sing enough. I can't preach enough. I can't do anything to become more accepted. I can't do anything to get into that state of being. You see, I want you to... If I could sum up the message, let me sum it up. You see, before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for you to become a son of God, for you, to become a child of God. He was looking for a people to put upon the face of the earth who would reflect his face. How many know he wants you and I to reflect his face on the face of this earth? Okay? He was looking for a people who would be known, who would be known as the sons of God. When Israel was to go into Canaan, they were to go in there being known as a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, my people in that land. He was looking for a people who would be known sons and children of God. He did this in Adam, but Adam failed. He did it through Israel, but a chosen people too failed. Then he sent his son, born of a virgin, a begotten son, the perfect son, the obedient son, the sacrificial son, so that you and I, by faith in the Son, could now become sons of God, could now be considered by God the Father righteous, acceptable, and approved. That you and I come in faith. And we begin with a resolution in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. And then by faith we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. What am I saying? That word confession you saying, what do you mean confess? I mean that you agree that he's Lord. That you declare he is 
Lord. Say it. Jesus is Lord. You're professing he's Lord. You're professing who he is. You're saying that he's the one to whom I belong. He doesn't belong to me. I belong to him. He bought me with his blood. He's the Lord. He's the possessor. All right? He's the owner. He's the chief. He's the king. He's Lord. Isn't it amazing how in our world, the title God doesn't offend a whole lot of people. But Jesus sure offends a whole lot of people. And we come to the Father through the Son. We become the accepted sons of God. We become the approved sons of God. And now, because we're approved and accepted, now we begin to act like sons. You see, faith brings us into a state of being. Being brings us to a place of doing. First of all, let me start with it. Where does my joy come from? My joy comes from being, not doing. If their joy comes from the doing, when the doing's done, you will not have any joy anymore. George prayed for those saints who were laying in rooms somewhere. And his prayer today was, Lord, they are just as important to you today doing nothing as when they were doing something. Listen to me this morning. The Father's joy in you is who you are, not what you do. Your joy in him is who you are, not what you do. We'll get to the doing. Say, but I've got to do. Yeah, you've got to do. Why do you do? Because you're sons. Pastor Henry, I'm going to rebuke you in the presence of everybody. <laughs> I'm just kidding now. You know I would never do that. But if I'm, gonna, if I'm saying that, you know it's going to be something good. Amen? I haven't heard him say this. Oh, just, he, he's been in the ministry 567 years, okay? All right, he served God. He, went, he served God since he was 12 years old, roughly. Been in the ministry since he was, he went to school at 18. He's been ministering in the gospel for 172 years or something. I don't know. Okay? And he says to me multiple times, oh, I just feel like I'm on a shelf. Oh, I have no use and purpose. Just feel like I'm on a shelf. Let me tell you something, Pastor Henry. God takes just as much joy in you today as when you were preaching. All right? And I, I want to say this, and I said this to you. I said this to you before. Let me tell you what you put on shelves: trophies. Amen. I'm just saying. Come on, man. Let's get it in our heart this morning. We take joy over who we are. I am a son of God, not because of what I did, because I'm a hot mess. Not because every thought of my life has been pure. I know all yours have. I'm the bad son. All right? Some of you have been stressing so much over, I don't do it enough for God. Maybe you're not, but take joy in who you are first. We're accepted. We're approved. And now we begin to, he puts, how do, and then you say, but how do I begin to act? Oh, this is where it gets really good. And you'll hear another three or four weeks on this. Okay, because what does the father do when he brings you into a place of being? He puts his spirit in you so that you can begin to do the doing. Because I mean, oh, I like some of the stuff I bring into the relationship. How many of you know what it was when you got married? How many of you brought some stuff into the marriage? How many of some of that stuff is gone today? (laughs) Why? Because you wanted to live. (laughs) 
<laughs> because in the relationship now, now you're becoming a husband, you're becoming a wife, and some of the stuff is going and getting, yeah, I can't act this way, I can't be an immature jerk anymore. No, you can't. You, you, no, you can't. Because if you're an immature jerk, it won't be too long until you get booted. <laughs> All right? He puts his spirit in us, and now the old begins to go and the new begins to come. Now, out of my state of being, I, first of all, listen, here's one of the first, I'm secure. I'm secure. We need some secure saints of God that know who they are. That know who they are. And who they are isn't because of their goodness, but because of their faith. That out of my state of being, I have joy. If my joy only came from preaching, what happened if I lost my voice and never spoke again tomorrow? Could I be a Tammy Gray who has joy in her heart every day and can't see past the end of her face or hand? Have you been around Tammy? If Tammy can't cheer you up, nobody can cheer you up. Where does that come from? Does it come from the fact that she can see her grandchildren perfectly? No. Does it come from the fact that she can see, see her husband perfectly? No. It comes from knowing who she is and the joy of the Lord is her strength. You got to know who you are. Now, I'll tell you something, because if it's based on your doing, you're a miserable wretch most of the time. And you make everybody around you miserable. <laughs> Out of my state of being, I've got security, I've got joy. That now, out of my state of being, I begin to do. The doing becomes an action dictated by the being. Not doing that's trying to get the being. One time I almost said to Nick and Tony years and years and years ago, I'm just this new, dumb, rookie pastor. Now I'm just this old, dumb, seasoned pastor. <laughs> some, some <laughs> seasoned is a good word. And I was going to give them that whole, like, I'm new pastor. And how many know sometimes, they, that sometimes you put things on your kids that you shouldn't put on them? I almost said this. I almost said something about, and you got to be good because you're the pastor's kid. Or something like that, stupid, something stupid like that. And then it hit me, don't you say that. What you want for your children is what you want, whether you're a pastor, a ditch digger, truck driver, tire salesman. What you want for them, how you want them to act, is because they're my son and my daughter. Don't matter that I'm the pastor. The state of being creates the activity of doing. I want you to be secure in your identity today. You say, well, how do I know if I'm secure? How do I know? Do you ever feel, I see a lot of people that are constantly striving, striving, Striving. 
to feel like God loves them. Striving. Have I done enough? There's a striving. It's constant striving, constant trying to get. You ever try to get somebody in your life to accept you who just seems like they won't accept you? And you exhaust your wills trying to do things to get them to accept you? That's how I see people spending their life with God. Faith accepts you. Faith approves of you. Listen to me this morning. If you, let me put the if out there, and I'm about done. Come on, Troy. If, 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 let me say it again. If (laughs) you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are saved. You are. You are a child of God. Now, I understand that some of you say, but man, I'm still a hot mess. Welcome to the club. And the devil's going to beat you up tomorrow because you're going to do something, say something, think something. Listen to me. This is where the Holy Spirit of God begins to work in the sons. Because I may know the Holy Spirit is not working in the sons of disobedience. He's working in the sons of God to take out what doesn't belong there. He's taking it out. He's putting in, taking out, putting in. And all of a sudden, you're now becoming. You see what you are. How many know? How, how many? How many remember the day of your birth? Some of you remember that? Somebody remember the day you were born? You're killing me. I was, I, was, I was not expecting any hands. <laughs> okay? I just want you to go on record saying, I don't remember that day. And you were born. How many of you know you weren't mature? How many know it was the work of the parents to bring you to maturity? Come on! You're born again from above. You're born anew. How many know it's God's job to bring you to a place of maturity? You respond to his working in your life. And now you become mature sons and daughters of God. You already were immature. You're a son. And we mature through life. We mature. I stopped somewhere about 12, Penny said, but it's okay. That whole growing up thing is way overrated. If you, listen to me, I'm going to say it again. If you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you are approved and accepted by God as a son. That doesn't mean every action is approved. That doesn't mean everything you do is okay. But you, 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 our son. Now we'll get to the doing next week. We'll get to the doing next week. But how many know doing's a whole lot better and a lot easier when you know who you are? Father, today, thank you for your plan. Your plan was for us to be your sons and daughters. Your plan was for sonship. Your plan was to bring us into sonship. And our spirit cries out today, Abba, Father. We'll get to that later, too. 
But Father, I want us today, I want you to today cement it in our heart who we are and how we get there. Your plan was sonship. And the path to that was your son, Jesus. Thank you for him. Thank you that he makes us acceptable. Thank you that he makes us approved by you. Father, I want there to be joy going out of this house today because of identity as sons of God. I want there to be joy today because of a state of being, not a state of doing. I want there to be security going out of this house today because people know whose they belong, who they are, who they belong to. I want there to be joy. Father, I don't care if we've been saved a year, a minute, five minutes, five years, 500 years. I don't care. I want us all to come back and say, I got joy because of who I am. Come on, stand up with me. Come on. Let's just lift our hands to heaven. Let's just lift our hands to heaven for a moment. this declaration with me this morning. It's a simple declaration. We already did it, but let's make it. Come on. Jesus Christ is Lord. Come on, say it. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say, and I believe God raised him from the dead. And I, by faith in Christ, am a son of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. May that be the joy of your life today.